Happy Wednesday from the VBPH Sermon Podcast. Pastor Adam back with you again, and we are excited to introduce the top Wayman Wednesday episode of the year. But before we do that, Dave is going to let us know about something very special happening tomorrow. Take a listen. Tomorrow, the 29th of December, Thursday. Don't forget about our big meetup, our online meetup event. Uh, There is a link in the show notes for this. We want to hear from you, all subscribers, whether you're premium, whether you enjoy the free version, whatever the case, we want to hear from you. Uh, we we want to hear how this podcast has impacted your life. Uh, we want feedback, uh, what, uh, what you like, what you don't like, what we could do better, what we could do better, and what we could do better. <laughs> There's a few things, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Oh, okay. So so I uh, just wanted to remind you about that, and um, uh, please sign up in the show notes in the link. And uh, back to you, Pastor Adam. Well, how do you pick your, pa- your favorite Pastor Mitchell sermon? Well, it's like picking your favorite child. It's just you can't do it. But yeah. what you can do is look back in the uh, history of the, of the episodes and see which one was downloaded the most. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And we looked through all of our Wednesday episodes, and we picked out the one that was the most popular this year, and it was released on May the 4th. May the 4th, the 4th be with you. Be with you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, and so that episode uh, was titled Rites of Passage by Pastor Wayman Mitchell. You know, you never, you never walk away from a Pastor Mitchell sermon without getting something in return. So mm-hmm. we hope that you like this one. It's our top down Loaded Pastor Mitchell Sermon of the Year. Uh, Happy Wayman Wednesday. Please enjoy. Thank you. Thank you you for that warm welcome. I really appreciate the privilege of being here, sharing with uh, Pastor Camel and his wife and this congregation with all that uh, you're. being enabled by the Lord to do a great blessing. This is just a portion of, of all that God's doing. I just came from Holland last night, flew in about 7 o'clock, uh, got home for, they're having their conference right now. And uh, uh, tremendous health and wholeness, spirit and vitality, the nation's uh, all over Europe that are there. You, I guess you had a report from one of your men in Bulgaria. I got to hear his uh, uh, report that he made there in the conference. And uh, uh, I think there's, they're interpreting that conference in about seven languages at one time. And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Uh, the largest conference attendance they've ever had. Uh, and I did a tent crusade in Utrecht um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday before the conference, and uh, the largest tent crusade they've ever had. I think we had 800 and either 34 or 54 uh, in the Miracle Crusade there in Utrecht, and uh, either 43 or 47, I don't remember, saved, which in Holland, I mean, that's one in the whole world, amen. And uh, lots of uh, white Dutch people healed. When I first started praying for the sick, nobody got healed but the black Dutch and the Indonesians. But the white Dutch are responding. We had a tremendous crusade, outstanding, instantaneous miracles. I prayed for a Muslim boy, looked to be maybe 23, 24 years old, had a steel crutch, 
and uh, had uh, injured his uh, 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 heel and uh, had, had operated on and he was limping uh, visibly. I couldn't get him to uh, pray a sinner's prayer, uh, but he did pray, use the name of Jesus in the prayer, and I knew he was healed, but he wouldn't admit it. And so uh, he's walking fine. And so uh, Tuesday night, uh, as I was there, they caught me and said, would you, uh, would you come talk to these men? There were two Muslim men who he had gone and told how he got healed. <laughs> and they came, they came hunting me. One of them could not sleep, had insomnia, and the other said he had a rupture. And so uh, before I would pray for them, I, I uh, have had Muslims from time to time come to the Crusades, but they're very difficult to work with. And so I wasn't about to pray for them until they'd pray a sinner's prayer. So I ran them through John 3, 1 through 8, and uh, both of them said, we've been reading about Christianity, and I said, uh, uh, you'd like to be born again, you'd like that? They said, yes, we want to pray. And so I prayed for them, led them to the Lord, and then uh, prayed for the man for insomnia, but prayed for the man, and the rupture was actually a herniated disc is what he had with severe back pain. He got instantly healed. Amen. So, so Brother uh, Martin Clock there in Amherst is having some success with Muslims, and he uh, tied into them immediately, want to know about that. So God is doing good things all over the world. I so appreciate this uh, particular facet of our, uh, of our fellowship and the wonderful things and the expression. And I know you're going to have a great conference this week. I want to preach to you from Joshua chapter 14. Now, if you've heard this sermon, this is the original. <laughs> I'm having a very difficult time. I, I'm preaching so many places, and uh, internet has wonderfully enhanced the ability to get sermons around the world. I was over in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, I was getting ready to preach, and I said to Lee Wilson, uh, he hadn't happened to hear uh, this sermon. He said, well, uh, yeah, uh, or preach this sermon, have you heard this? He said, well, actually, I got it on the internet this morning along with another one. I said, well, you're too late. I'm preaching it tonight. <laughs> so we're doing these pioneer, uh, or we're doing these uh, uh, sermon seminars for pastors. And so if you've heard this, just relax. Uh, it'll be different coming from my mouth. <laughs> one of your pastors uh, was in the seminar when we prepared this, and he told me about the Messiah warriors who, when they're coming to manhood, to prove their manhood, they go into the jungle, and uh, with a, armed only with a spear, they lure a lion to attack them and kill it with a spear, and uh, at that moment, they become a man. Now, I'd like a different process, personally, for that. <laughs> but this outlines and is uh, one uh, way that... Uh, uh, there's an expression of how uh, boys enter into manhood. In many cultures, they have various kinds of uh, processes. In the Jewish faith, it's uh, uh, bar mitzvah. And uh, God applauds the celebration and the recognition of manhood. 
It is becoming a major issue today. Manhood is uh, salted. If you have uh, interested in reading a very good book, it's uh, Four Pillars of a Man's Heart. It, he uh, establishes and talks uh, considerably about that. But today, uh, there's a, an emphasis to de-emphasize the subject of manhood. And here's a story that will challenge us tonight on beginning with verse 6 of Joshua chapter 14. I want to preach to you on the rites of passage. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, a man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spot the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day that the Anakim, or the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance, Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord his God. I want to talk to you for a moment about the reality of this age. I, uh, I was uh, uh, made aware uh, uh, dramatically of this twisted spirit of this generation. I was down in Puerto Rico, and uh, they told me that the men down there are shaving or uh, getting their eyebrows plucked uh, and tattooing their, uh, their, uh, uh, their eyebrows and using, uh, using liner uh, on their eyes, uh, shaving their chest and their arms. And I said, what kind of kinky world are we living in anyway? <laughs> this is a common trait. Uh, today, George Bush was speaking in a uh, uh, Kentucky University, University of Kentucky, Kentucky had a, a question and answer, and one of the students uh, said, uh, Mr. Bush, you're a rancher from Texas. Have you seen Brokeback Mountain? What do you think about it? There was a long pause, and President Bush said, no, I haven't. You're a long way from home, son. I sure hope you make it back to the ranch. <laughs> you see, they give Ritalin to boys, not girls. And the reason for that is they attempt to stop the natural male aggression, and that's against nature. And in this text, we see a man... Rising to the challenge of the hour. Look at verse 12 for a moment. I want to challenge 
your heart with this statement. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Now, think about this for a moment. Here's a man. He's 85 years old. And this vision and this challenge of this mountain full of giant has burned in his heart for 45 years. This is the homeland of the Anakims, the giants. And Caleb has had to go to church every day with backsliders for 40 years before he got to the land of promise and still keep his vision. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. This burned in his soul. It burned in his heart. And this is a God-given instinct uh, that is in men. You know, uh, uh, hunting season's coming pretty quick. And I won't be long till men will take to the woods for elk and deer. And, uh, you know, uh, you don't just go out and, uh, and, and go hunting. You've got to have all the equipment, you know, that goes with this. And so, uh, you know, they're going to go out and get some cheap meat for the family. Don't you believe it? Before they get finished, it'll cost them $50 a pound for meat. It'll have dirt. The flies will have blown half of it. So you say, why do they do that? They do that because it's in the DNA of a man to conquer and to have conquest and to exercise this manhood from the earliest year. This DNA is in him. So when we see this man and this man stands up, this is not something that is unusual to conquer and a conquest is something that God has placed in man. In Genesis 1.28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over it. And so this is man's destiny tonight. I want to tell you, as you're sitting here tonight in Psalms 84, listen to these verses, four through six. What is man? that you're mindful of him. And the son of man, that you visit him, for you've made him a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. It's in our biological code. God placed in man this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, yearning for conquest, this yearning to respond to a challenge. And there's several generations now that they've tried to dissuade that. Ritalin is just one uh, example of that. And uh, it, uh, when I was growing up, Grantland Rice, uh, who was a coach, uh, he was of uh, 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 great renown. And uh, in the gymnasiums around the country was a saying by Grantland Rice, uh, said, when the one great scorer comes to mark against your name, he marks not that you won or law, but how you played the game. And so his uh, great thing was sportsmanship. But I want to tell you, they don't give any uh, trophies for sportsmanship. Can you say amen? amen? There's no statistics uh, that you were reading the paper for sportsmanship. Uh, uh, only accomplishment. And so while it may be good philosophy uh, to be a good sportsman, uh, there's another man, Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest po coaches that ever coached, uh, and he coached the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and Vince uh, Lombardi said, show me a man who cares not whether he won or lost, and I'll show you a loser. <laughs> Amen. He's the same man that said winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. 
So when we begin to consider this for a moment, this is the crucial issue for the church of Jesus Christ later for these feel-good services. Can you say amen? God calls us to conquest. Amen. Those flags over there didn't come because you had a conference and you felt good. They came because somebody began to trigger something inside you that was inside this man, Caleb. And without this uh, drive, without this motivation, without this vision, the church uh, becomes satisfied with no results. Maybe you're sitting here tonight as a pastor. You become satisfied with a handful of people. My friend, there's a world out there. Dear God in heaven, help us to understand the millions uh, that are yearning to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and just a simple endeavor, a simple launching out uh, and responding to the challenge uh, will bring forth fruit. I don't know what your, your mountain may be tonight. It might be your marriage. It might be your home. It might be your calling. It might be your ministry. But I want to tell you, whatever it is, uh, you need to rise up, uh, quit being a panty waste uh, and quit being uh, uh, a wimp and begin to rise up and understand God made you to conquer. Amen. Can you say amen tonight? I want to talk to you for a moment about the glory of challenge. See, uh, uh, the mentality of our generation is the easy road. And uh, there's a, a picture that's present, presented of Jesus, uh, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, uh, Sitting in a field of daisies, he loves me, he loves me not yet. That's not what the Bible, that's not the picture that the Bible draws. The Bible draws a picture of Jesus Christ and a real man. And what we need today is men that will rise to the challenge. We have a whole generation at the first conflict and the first opposition, the first, uh, 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 the first persecution. Uh, we have a whole generation of men or the first time their pastor kicks their end and tries to bring them into line. They start whining, you know, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be this way. How did you think it was going to be? In the book of Hebrews, Paul's writing the same thing. I just did a whole Bible study from the book of Hebrews. And Paul is writing that whole book of Hebrews to say to them, you've got the most wonderful thing in time or eternity. And he rebukes them in the 12th chapter, verses 3 and 4. And he said, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You've not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. And so as the Apostle Paul writes there, we need to consider for a moment the glory of a wonderful challenge that God places before us. And Caleb revels in this opportunity. He knows what's there. It's a mountain full of giant men. He's seen them with his own eye. He saw the cities that they live in. He saw the opportunity, but he saw the difficulty, and he revels in this, and he's thrilled with a challenge to rise up and fight. Listen to verses 11 and verse 12. 
As yet, I'm as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Think about that for a moment. The challenge, no doubt, of, of, of the vision of having that mountain put before him and him being released to that was what kept the vital signs moving in his body. Amen. It's a terrible, it's a terrible generation we live in and people start planning their retirement at age 30. Listen, this man had this vision burning, and I want to challenge you uh, to think perhaps uh, this is what caused him uh, to still be alive at 85 and full of vim and vigor and rise to the challenge of all those years he'd thought about when they would turn him loose to go and get his mountain full of giants. Is that burning you today? You know, I, I worry about Pastor Campbell when he talks about Granny's porch. You know, listen, I, I'm not opposed to to Granny's porch, but I'm going to tell you, there's better things in life to do than sit on Granny's porch. Amen. Can you say amen? I worry about this boy. Amen. <laughs> I think this is what kept Caleb alive. Is he's he's rising to the challenge, and there's a long history in the Bible of men. Here's David's mighty men. Read it sometime when you're when you're feeling a little bit of self pity and you're feeling like uh, things are tough. Read about David's mighty men. It's a tremendous story. Listen to First Chronicles uh, eleven thirteen and fourteen, and it begins to outline uh, uh, some of these men and their accomplishments. And it says, after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the who was one of the three mighty men. He was with David at Pasdaman. Now there the Philistines were gathered for battle and there was a piece of ground full of barley so the people fled from the Philistines but they stationed themselves in the midst of that field, defended it and killed the Philistines so the Lord wrought a great victory. One of these men fought a lion in a snowy pit and killed him. One of them fought a lion-like man of Moab and snatched his spear out of his hand, killed him with it. One of these men killed 20 Philistines in a barley field. And so you can read over and over again, these are men that rose to the challenge, and that's what God called you and I to do. Three of these fought their way to the, to the well at Bethlehem and, uh, and uh, got water for that. And there's something liberated uh, and liberating about responding to a challenge. Listen to Winston Churchill. He's, he, he, he was a unique individual that God brought to the forefront that no doubt saved England in a time of trial. Listen to Winston Churchill. He said there's nothing as exhilarating as being shot out without results. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? (laughs) They wrote a letter to the editor about me. Isn't that too bad? (laughs) Here's a great man. He said, there's nothing that's quite as exhilarating as being shot at without results. George Washington, listen to this. He said, I've heard the whine of the bullets past my ear, and there's something charming in the sound. (laughs) These are a generation of real men. 
You see, when Caleb responded to that, he was responding to something God put in every man. You know, many of the soldiers in Iraq re-enlist while they're still in Iraq. While their lives are in danger every day, uh, many of these soldiers sign up, re-enlist, right while they're there, uh, right in danger and death, stares them in the face, uh, because this thing is in mankind, uh, and it's in a real man's heart, uh, and God must give us disciples uh, with this spirit. Can you say amen? amen? I just read a book recently called Breakout Churches. You need to read it. It was a survey of, uh, of uh, 50,000 churches. They wound up with 13 that met the criteria, 37 that had everything but didn't, didn't respond. They had gone into decline and then broken out and began to uh, have tremendous results. Uh, and one of the telling comments uh, that they have to say was these 13 churches made evangelizing disciples. Write that down somewhere. The church world claims to be making disciples, but the disciples they make don't got it. Can you say amen? Any result or success that we've had as our fellowship is because uh, we have, uh, uh, not even knowing the formula or the theory, we have made evangelizing disciples uh, because they responded to the challenge uh, of people that were lost, uh, saw the vision, uh, and began to go for it. I want to use a quote. I stole this from Joe Camel. He used it somewhere in the past, and I said, I want that, and I want to read this to you. <laughs> the spirit of the British Isles. Think about the British Empire. At one time, one-third, rather, is one-third the size of the state of Texas, yet influenced one-quarter of the Earth's population larger than the U.S. and Russia combined. Now, this was the days before Boy George <laughs> and Elton John. Is the spirit that permeated the entire nation, from the greatest leader to the smallest child, is the spirit of the adventure and the soldier, the dream of every father, and it was in the heart of every son, and their stories of fathers taking their sons down to the ocean, looking out to the sea and saying, there's your destiny, there's your future, nations, peoples, lands, to be one for the queen. This is the spirit that gave us C.T. Studd and David Livingston, and this is the spirit that has gripped our fellowship and has given us men that are willing to leave and go to the nations that you've got on your wall there is because these are men who have risen to the glory of the challenge. Thank God. Can you say amen? Thank God for these men. Now I want to talk to you finally about a sacred destiny that we have here. This is the age of the egalitarian. What that means is uh, the forces of our world and society is uh, trying to make everyone equal. They hate someone who rises up and begins to excel. This is why the schools grade on the curve. No one can fail. Everyone must uh, uh, find a place, uh, they can't have any challenge there, uh, and they want to take everyone to the same level. Uh, and the greatest sin that you can commit today is rise up uh, 
above the crowd, begin to show others up and begin to make them feel uh, uh, challenged by your excelling and uh, uh, to condemn the non-performer, that's the greatest sin that you can ever commit. You know, we have uh, to, uh, adult children today uh, that they're, they're, uh, they're growing up, but they're not leaving home. They call, uh, I just read an article today called GRUPS, GRUPS. It's the boomerang children. They go out and they come back. <laughs> we raised our children, raised five children with very clear understanding. <laughs> we rule this house. You don't. You're welcome to be here until you're 18 years old. You get married or you graduate from high school. Whichever comes first, your clothes are packed. You're out of here. Wow, boy, that that seems just really harsh. Well, I'm not supporting any of them either. They all learn to work for themselves, make their own way, and pay their own bills. That sound like a foreign language to you? See, I'm not just talking myth here. This is a real problem in our society is children that are growing up and they don't want to leave home. Or if they leave, they want to come right back. Have all the toys that they can possibly have. They've all got iPods. They've all got computers. They've all got laptops. They've all got uh, all the toys, uh, uh, but they don't want to get married. They don't mind fornicating and producing illegitimate children, but they don't want to face the responsibilities of life. This is what's happening to us in our society today. But let me look for a moment, because the glory of conquering and possessing territory, dominion, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. This man, Caleb, was one of the spies that saw the possibility that's there. Think about that for a moment. Some commentators say this, uh, these Anakim were 11 feet tall. Others say they were 9 feet. I was just over in Holland. I want to tell you. That seven foot five is a big boy. You know, they, over in Holland, they have to have two pulpits. One is for Dutch and one for normal people like me. <laughs> Think about that. He saw these men. These are fierce, uh, savage men. But he had something that beat within his heart from God. And it was the glory of the challenges there. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 9. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. I've given you as I said to Moses. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See real manhood sees destiny. Real manhood begins to allow what God has placed in. And when he sees hardship, uh, when he sees challenge, uh, when he sees adventure, something begins to beat within his chest uh, that he wants to rise up uh, and do what God uh, could call him to do. One of the greatest indictments in Joshua is that he did not possess his inheritance. Listen to Joshua 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You're old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. And so 
Here we have something that's more than just simply an opportunity. What we have here is a destiny. And this man, when he spied out the land, he saw the destiny that God had given. And this is the challenge that God gives to the church of Jesus Christ. And I want to leave with you tonight. This is International Night. This is a night when glorious possibilities begin to rise. Can you say amen? This is the night when men's hearts begin to beat with the possibility of what God could do. Maybe a nation, maybe a city that God could give. And Jesus leaves us no excuse in Matthew 16, 18, and 19. I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Think about that tonight. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. They leave us with no excuse. This is our destiny. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Romans 16 and 20 says the God of peace will brood Satan under your feet shortly. See, real men respond to a challenge. Listen to this thrilling statement. To recruit the crew of his British Imperial Transatlantic Expedition who would sail aboard the Endurance Arctic Explorer, Sir Ernest Shackleton posted the following notice in a London newspaper. Men wanted for a hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. He was swamped with thousands of applicants. Why? Because there's something in man that responds to the glory of a challenge. Rudyard Kipling was a poet. I want to share just a few verses from his statements, if you'll bear with me. It comes out of the explorer. There's no sense in going further. It's the edge of cultivation. So they said, and I believed it, broke my land and sowed my crop. Built my barns and strung my fences in the little border station, tucked away below the foothills where the trails run out and stop, till a voice as bad as conscience rang interminable changes in one everlasting whisper day and night repeated so, something hidden. Go and find it. Go and look behind the ranges. Something lost behind the ranges, lost and waiting for you. Go. So I went out of patience. Worn out of patience, never told my nearest neighbors. Stole away with pack and ponies, left them drinking in the town. And the faith that moveth mountains didn't seem to help my labors as I faced the sheer main ranges whipping up and leading down. March by march, I puzzled through them, turning flanks and dodging boulders, hurried on in hope of water, headed back for lack of grass, till I camped above the tree line, drifted snow and naked boulders, Felt free air astir to windward, knew I'd stumbled on the pass. Thought to name it for the finder, but that night the nother found me. Frozen killed the plains bed ponies, so I called the camp despair. It's a railway camp today, though. Then my whisper waked to hound me, something lost behind the ranges over yonder. You go there. Then I knew the while I doubted, knew his hand was certain o'er me. See, there are men in this building tonight that that 
stirring challenge is beating inside you if you'd rise to respond. We have one of the saddest stories in the Bible is the son of Gideon. Gideon defeats Zeba and Zalmanah, brings him back, brings him back to his headquarters, and the conquest is to take dominion over and put them to death for their defeat, their problem, their attack of the people of God. He says to his young son, Jether, rise up and kill them. Jether came to the rite of passage of manhood. He wouldn't do it. Zeba and Zalmanah began to challenge Gideon, said as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon rose and rose to the task, slew the enemies. And I wonder tonight, as you're here, do you lack the elements? Have you shoved aside the impulse? Have you resisted that wonderful blessing that God places inside you as a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you content to just simply be a church attender? Or are you one that the DNA will be stirred up tonight? The spiritual genetics will be released and you'll say, God, God, I'm, I'm willing. I'll lay my life on the line. I'll come to manhood, Lord. I know that's what you ordained me for to destiny, because Caleb is written down in the book we read, because he came to that point and said, give me my mountain. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, no one moving for a Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.